So first of all, apologies for being two minutes late. We're just having a emergency Zoom um, conference or committee meeting with the Buddhist Society of Victoria in Melbourne. Anyway, uh, this is a nice time for our meditation and also the usual common. Actually, is there an introductory class today? There should be, yes. So for those who come to the introduction to meditation class, that is being held in the room to my right. This is the ongoing class for the experts or the people who aspire to be experts one day. And what it really means to be an expert in meditation is learn how to listen to your body and mind and get to know it more deeply learn how to relax it, to keep it calm and peaceful. And one of the ways of doing that is to let go of all the past and don't worry about the future. So just, you know, personally, just having to, to talk for over an hour, not really talking, but listen uh, to some of the problems other Buddhist societies have. They're not really bad problems, but still I had to attend. Now I can let all that business go. It's done. And that means you can have a rest and find some peace in your mind and rest in your body. And when you do that, then the body relaxes. Right now, I can feel it relaxing more and more, you know, after paying full attention to you know, the difficulties and problems which we do face in life when we try and organize anything. So right now it's an opportunity to make peace with our body, make peace with our mind. And he also noticed that sometimes people find it difficult to keep their attention in the present moment. Sometimes people say they're meditating and they get sleepy or they get dull or they go fantasizing or thinking and planning. And you wonder why do people do that? And it is because one doesn't appreciate the joy and the peace and the freedom in this present moment. And when one gets into this present moment, being here, fully aware, and in the, just in this moment, first with the body, learning how to relax it. I mentioned this before so many times, when you start to relax the body, it starts to get more and more delightful. The relaxation, the peace is very delightful. And because I'm a monk, sometimes I was almost thought I should not have any delight at all. And I remember that even, you know, when I would smile in a monastery as a monk, said, wipe that smile on your face, everything is suffering. Yeah, but... And you almost like you weren't allowed to be, have any joy. But actually joy is the way out of suffering. Yeah out of uh, this problem we find ourselves in when we're born. That joy, when you relax your body and feel the joy, then you can get even more relaxation. The delight of peace, it's a different type of joy. And once you start to experience that, you know what happens? My body just disappears. It's so relaxed, so at ease. And I can just stay with that experience, just for a few minutes, and any sort of tension, tightness in the body disappears. 
because that tightness disappears, any tension, the body gets even more relaxed and then I can just leave it alone, let it go, let it be. And it vanishes. And that also becomes what happens in the present moment. If you can enjoy this present moment, what a wonderful thing it is when I say you've got no work to do. You've got the next hour free of any tasks to do. You don't have any work at all, nothing needs to be fixed or written or planned or corrected. No one is going to judge you, nothing to achieve. You have just uh, 45 minutes of total rest and freedom. I don't know why people don't like enjoying that. I think the answer is because most of us are so used to doing something, used to running around, going somewhere, trying to achieve something or trying to fix something. The idea of just sitting here, not trying to fix anything, not trying to get anything, not trying to change anything, no one's going to judge you, you don't have to achieve anything. Other people's opinions of you, they just, they don't belong here, you've got your eyes closed, you haven't got a clue what you're doing inside. So in other words, you are free. Free from the demands of achievement, protecting what you've already got. You know, you've got nothing to protect at all. Nothing to gain, nothing you can lose. There's a great sense of like freedom. And when you enjoy that sense of inner freedom, that's when you find that the present moment stays with you. I've often used the simile that these states of mind become a good friend to you. When you really do have a good friend, you can spend hours with them. And just the time flies past, the time just almost has no meaning when you're with a good friend. It's not like you force yourself to stay with them. It's not like you, uh, you know, you go towards them, it's just a natural affinity for a really good friend. And that's what it's like with something like the present moment. It's a nice friend, it's a great place to hang out. I don't know why more people don't spend time just hanging out in the present moment. Except, of course, if you're working for the Buddhist Society of Western Australia, then you have to sort of do your work <laughs> in the back. But other than that, you know, you just stay in the present moment if you're meditating, taking time off, just being here and enjoying. And it does become enjoyable. Because it becomes enjoyable, it's easy to stay with it. How actually do you stay with it? Do you have to focus and keep your mind on those enjoyable objects? No. You know, there are times sometimes, you know, when you, you go to our lookout, which is uh, just opposite Bodhinyana Monastery, just down the road from Jhana Grove, and many people go there during retreats just to watch the sunset. And they don't have to focus on the sunset. Come and watch the sunset, watch the sunset. Don't allow the mind to wander off. Because the sunset can be so beautiful, it captures your attention. You don't put any effort at all in. That's one of the most beautiful parts of it. It's just there, it stays, it's peaceful, it's beautiful, and you have a, a wonderful time. And you stay looking at that sunset for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Or like the stars at night. Over in Jhana Grove, you have those wonderful stupas. And especially in the evening time, they've soaked up the sun during the daytime. 
You can lay on your back, you know, just you know, watching the stars above, and it's comfortable, and you don't need to focus on the stars. They say, beautiful, you just let them be. And have a wonderful time. That's for a lot much longer. So you can see that you don't need effort there. It's the beauty, the delight of the experience that holds your attention. You do nothing. You let, <coughs> let your attention be held. And that's the same with the peace in the meditation. It becomes so gorgeous that sometimes somebody tries to disturb you and it's like, go away. I'm having a wonderful time. But it's such a bum, it's lunch. Go away. <laughs> you don't even want any lunch because you're enjoying this moment. And that's just the start. And when you go into things like silence, many times people would say that silence is golden. It's much more beautiful and valuable than gold. Because in the silence there, there's no problem can exist. All you have is just this beautiful peace, a peace of deep tranquility. But the amazing thing is that even silence, it doesn't stay, it gets deeper. It's like, you know, some of the times when you went walking in the mountains. There were quite a few times I would gravitate to mountains in north of Scotland. And whenever you thought you'd climbed a peak, you'd always see there was another one higher just behind. And it was just like the de degrees of silence. Yes, you could experience silence, but then you went a little bit deeper and it was more silent than silence. I don't know if there's any mathematicians here but I was just talking the other day with one of the monks about infinity and his numbers which are infinitely greater than infinity and other numbers which are infinitely greater than the infinitely greater than the number of infinity and that's why they call them alpha null is the order of infinity alpha one, alpha two, alpha three and it goes on infinitely <laughs> numbers which are infinitely greater than infinity at first it makes no sense, but you can prove it rationally. That's the same with silence. You get to silence, it doesn't stop there. You get more silent than silence. More delightful than delight. And that's where meditation gets really beautiful. And it makes you sort of wonder to see how much is there inside this meditation which you can taste, touch, experience for yourself and just really just expand the mind enormously. Anyway, that's the meditation. I better be careful because I always tend to go off too deep. But nevertheless, that's a good introduction. And if there's anyone here for the introduction to meditation, that's the room on my right. This is the ongoing class. Okay, so let's get started. As long as you're okay. So if you'd like to cross your legs and I will begin the beginning guided meditation to be able to relax the body, rest the mind, let the mind, let the body go, let the mind get more and more still and tranquil and blissful.
when I start my meditation. Try and sit comfortably to begin with, but then take it to another level. Mindful of each part of my body, toes. If you ask those questions, how are your toes? You may find, like I just found, my toes are not comfortable. I would adjust them. of my feet. And my ankles. Please sweep your attention up your legs as fast or as slow as you think is necessary. And this is not just for the purpose of relaxation. It's also for the purpose of increasing the power of mindfulness and kindness. It gives the immediate result of your body relaxing deeply. And it gives the more important result of this power of awareness and kindness. Awareness knows what's going on. And kindness learns how to soothe it, relax it, bring it peace. And deeper sense of ease. Even when I go through my legs past my knees to my thighs. As I relax all of these, it feels pleasant. You feel the delight of relaxation. And that often means I don't want to go further up my body. I'm enjoying it right now. Just like when you're enjoying the present moment, you don't want to disturb it. It's tranquil, it's nice. My legs feel at ease. Make sure my butt is well balanced on top of the cushion. How does your butt feel now? Is it comfortable? Sometimes it's just like caring for parts of my body. 
almost it reassures them so they don't tense up, they relax and that's when they get comfortable. How's your back? As you are aware of these parts of your body, if you can make them feel more comfortable by movement, please do so. Sometimes I move, say my back, and then say, no, that wasn't better at all. So I go back to where I was before. That way, by trial and error, I find a comfortable position and I also discover the power of mindfulness which gives you feedback and the kindness which aims to create more peace, ease and find out how that ease is reached. Got my central torso sweeping up my body from the inside. Relaxing everything as I go up. Get up to my chest. I don't know why I can feel some tension there. I just stay with that feeling until I can relax it to the max.
once the rest of your body has been relaxed, shoulders and arms and hands. And your head. Hopefully you can experience the whole of your body at ease. like the old simile of a string which was stretched tight and it's been loosened on both ends so there's hardly any unnecessary tension in your body at all when you can feel the peace, the delight in your body. Then you can let it go. Then you go into your mind. Remember the Buddha said the first thing to establish is the deeper awareness. Especially the awareness of your mind, how peaceful you are. And when your mind is peaceful, it feels good. in the present moment. It's like meeting an old friend. Now, I'm not trying to achieve anything or get rid of anything. I'm just happy to chill out in the present moment. And to notice its freedom. In the present moment I've got nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Nothing to get rid of. I have no past to deal with, no future to plan.
just here. And I'm kind to this moment. All these different moments which come. Just enjoy the peace of each one of them. Unless one focuses on the peace of mind, silence soon comes in anyway. I've learned to trust not giving things names. No experiences rather than trying to describe them to myself. And relaxing to the max. And as usually happens, you start to become aware of your breathing, because it's the only thing left moving. Don't force the breath. That too is a friend. It's like just hanging out with his friend, breathing in, breathing out. <clears throat> like sitting in a rocking chair, swinging forward, swinging back, breathing in, breathing out. My job is just to know this feeling, not give it names. And as it calms down, it too will get delightful. does, often the next thing you experience is a beautiful light in the mind. Don't look for it. Always let it come to you when it's ready. I will be silent now.
getting close now to the end of the meditation. How deep is the peace inside? And how do you perceive that peace? How much joy is there with the peace? The more you notice that joy, the harder it is to leave. You become still. Anyway, it's time to start coming out. So how does your body feel now? Like I turn on my body again. It's been relaxed, at ease, in a couple of moments. I'll ring the gong three times as usual. After you've heard the third ringing of the gong, please come out of the meditation. the meditation session. Now we have opportunity for those who wish to ask any questions, especially about meditation. And uh, we also have the opportunity, if possible, to get some uh, questions from overseas over to stay. Any questions from the floor here? People here? Okay, let's try from overseas. Hi. From Germany, and Devonshire, and Bulgaria. It's a nice spread. Just Europe though. Anyway, could you be so kind to explain the connection between sila, that's your virtue, and meditation. Is it true that virtue conduct must be 100% pure to practice jhana? Thank you very much. It doesn't need to be 100% pure to experience these deep states of meditation, but certainly they have a little phrase which I chant every time I do an ordination ceremony for a monk or a nun. 
a part of that chant is Silang Paribhavito Samadhi Mahapalo Hotimhani Sangso. That when meditation is supported by precepts, it's of great power and benefit. And that's the way the Buddha would talk, not that it's necessary, but it's a very strong support. Why is that the case? One of the reasons is because if you practice virtue, it's a form of restraint. Restraint of doing anything which harms another being, restraint from doing anything which harms yourself. All it's really doing there is just saying no and stopping things which have no real purpose in your life. And that's also when we can stop some of the thoughts and movements in our mind which aren't really helping us. When we learn how to restrain our speech especially, that also helps us restrain our thinking. We don't speak so much. We don't think so much. Okay, I've been serious so far. This is one of my favorite stories. This was a long time ago. There was a monk in a very strict Christian monastery where you weren't allowed to speak at all except once every seven years. <laughs> okay. Now another 15 minutes and I'll be finished. Only allowed to speak once every seven years. And so this monk was very strict and after seven years had his first chance to speak just one sentence to the senior monk to give the senior monk some idea of how well he's been practicing. And when the monk went to see the abbot, he'd been practicing all these impressive things to say but when he went into the room, he just, he was so excited, he didn't say what he wanted to say, he blurted out, you make us work too hard. And of course the abbot said, oh, very good, come back in another, another seven years. He blew his chance. So another seven years went past, 14 years. This time he was much more composed, restrained, and then he went in to see the abbot, but this time the same thing happened. He got so confused or excited, he blurted out, the food in this monastery is terrible. And the abbot said, okay, come back in another seven years. He'd been 21 years as a monk. He'd only said two sentences. And this time, after 21 years, he actually said what he meant to say. He saw the abbot and said, I can't stand this place, I'm leaving. <laughs> and the abbot said, very good, you've done nothing but complain ever since you came here. <laughs> okay, that's an old joke, but it also has a meaning behind it. And the meaning behind it is very much so. He wasn't complaining, it doesn't just mean saying bad things, it meant thinking bad things. Because he'd been thinking again and again and again and again without saying it, we work too hard and the food's terrible. That's what came out when he had the opportunity to speak. So, 
when we have restraint of the senses, which is really deep virtue, then we find that uh, the meditation becomes much easier. It empowers the meditation. And if your virtue is really, really strong, of course it's much easier to get into the deep meditations such as jhana. But also, after you've experienced some of these deep meditations, that also makes the practice of virtue much easier. You know, why do anything which is going to hurt or harm another being? Anyway, the next question from Devonshire. How do I keep my mind from dwelling on my social status during meditation? I think that in the world I'm a ne'er-do-well. You know that if you'd have said your social status was the opposite and during meditation you think that in the world I am such an important person, that would be more rare. I don't know how many people when they look at themselves thinking, think of themselves as not good enough, as imperfect. And that's one of the reasons why I like to tell people about, well, I don't know how many times you've heard this, the trees in the forest. No tree in the forest is the perfect tree. They are all bent and crooked and snoring. Let's <laughs> be kind. So when you um, uh, think of yourself as not good enough, that is inaccurate. Every one of you belongs. You're more than good enough. You're not perfect. Do you know a perfect monk at all? Or a perfect nun? Or a perfect layperson? I remember telling the monks, there was one senior monk I stayed with uh, for a range retreat. And he had a weird manner about him. He would get up to give a Dhamma talk and during the middle of the talk he would stop and fall asleep. In the middle of the talk, mid-sentence. But then what would happen, about five minutes later he'd wake up. And when he'd wake up he continued the sentence exactly where he left off. We didn't notice when he was going to wake up. So we were sitting there, should we go now or should we stay? <laughs> But it's kind of exciting, it's amazing to watch. Sometimes it was one minute, sometimes five minutes, but he'd always carry on exactly where he left off. It's brilliant. Anyway, so don't dwell on your social status. What is your social status? I don't know what it is and I don't really care about that. What I do care about is you are meditating, which is a wonderful thing to do. And when you start meditating, become more at peace you do actually find you have a much more positive view about yourself. I think as you know that I always encourage people to be positive except for one thing and that's COVID tests. Please be negative when you do a COVID test, sorry. <laughs> anyway, from Bulgaria, oh no, we're really going deep here. Can you enter the Arupa nothingness state directly from a nimitta or first jhana? Are infinite space and nothingness often confused by deep meditators? Thank you, Ajahn. 
Now that's really some of the deep stuff in meditation. If you don't understand that, you can go and have a look at one of my books, The Mindfulness, Bliss and Beyond, where I just explain how those things work. And just to give you a quick uh, run through, once your body is comfortable and disappears, and then there's two parts of the body, the last two parts which disappear. It is your breathing, because that's you know, still active, and the other thing which you're always sensitive to sound. In other words, it's common if a person is in a deep meditation, you want to get them out again, and you talk to them. The same as when you're asleep. How do you get out of sleep? Ding, 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 ding. That gets you out of sleep, the alarm clock. But anyway, that once the body vanishes and disappears, then you have your mind. And as that starts to um, be separated from the body, just inside, you're not dead or anything, but you go into these things which are called the jhanas. And that's one of the great joys of the first jhana, the fact that you are released from the five senses that don't affect you. A great sense of freedom. And in the second jhana, as the will disappears, you're really still and peaceful. And the third jhana, it's one of the coarser forms of bliss disappearing, a very refined type of bliss. And the fourth jhana, total contentment, there you really are peaceful. So there the mind is truly still. And when the mind is still, the thing which happens next, which I've said to many people, is that things disappear. Your mind starts to turn off. And it turns off stage by stage. But the only way to get to those, uh, what they call nothingness states, or arupas, they call it, are this, you know, through the stage by stage. First jhana, second, third, fourth, and then the arupa states, which is asking for here. It's like these are rooms within rooms, within rooms, within rooms. A simile which I gave years ago, it's hard to make similes for this, was of these concentric rooms. Consider a house with like eight rooms in it. But those rooms, the eighth room is right in the center, in the middle, with a wall and a door, in the middle of the seventh room. The seventh room is in the middle of the sixth room. And the sixth room is in the middle of the fifth room. And the fifth room is in the middle of the fourth room. And the fourth room is in the middle of the third. And the third is in the middle of the second. The second is in the middle of the first. You can only go through to get to the center room by going through the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on. One is inside the other. There's no sort of shortcut. So, in these states, from Bulgaria, a lot of times we don't talk too much about this because they are incredibly powerful, peaceful, refined states which are hard to describe. And so because of that, that many people read about those things they just they want to say they've experienced them. And because they want to experience something, what they experience is not the real thing. Can be kind of similar, but nowhere, nowhere near the degree of stillness and peace. Anyway, that's just something to mention to you. Now, any questions from the audience here? Yeah.
Okay. What's the difference between focusing on your mind in the middle of your abdomen area? What happens is you might start with focusing on the middle of your abdomen area, but if you get very still there, the abdomen vanishes. You don't feel it anymore. You feel something similar, but it's not the abdomen. And it's very peaceful, very joyful, very still. You can't feel anything moving, going up and down. You're moving towards the mind now. You can start anywhere on your body, basically. And after a while, that vanishes. When the body is still, it disappears. This is the general rule, your brain is only wired to notice things which move. And so if your abdomen, nothing is happening there, or there's a feeling of like maybe breathing in, breathing out, but you're quiet, the breath becomes less, um, I suppose, evident. It becomes nice and soft and smooth. And so often the difference between an in-breath and an out-breath is hardly much to discern. And so what is actually happening is you're getting peaceful. And that sense of physical touch is turning off. When that turns off, then you get into your mind. Okay. These are nice, deep questions, which is nice today, thank you. But I say this because sometimes this happens to people. You may come here and start with just finding it difficult to be sit still for 45 minutes. But, you know, that's wonderful that you can do that. And it's not a question of your body being uncomfortable. You have chairs now. So you can have a comfortable body and be able to sit still. And then because the body becomes still, it's got a chance to disappear. And the next problem, of course, is making sure your mind is still and peaceful. That's why I have all these little tricks of being in the present moment, listening to silence. There's nothing much to think about, so you think of just whatever's in front of you right now. You don't even think about it, you're just aware of it. And soon your mind becomes so peaceful and still. The old simile which I gave years ago, but it's still very valid, the thousand petal lotus. The lotus opens up because the sun shines on it. It receives the warmth and the light of the sun and layer by layer it opens. And that lotus stands for you. And the opening up means going deeper inside. And the light and warmth, which is the cause for opening up the lotus, the light and the warmth represents the awareness and the kindness. The awareness, the light, and the warmth, the kindness. That opens you up. You're aware and kind to your body and it sort of relaxes and you can go inside. You're aware and kind to this present moment and you really get inside of time. You're aware and kind to just this time, this moment, and you go into silence. It's like it's inside everything. And inside the silence so you can find your breathing easily. Inside the breath becomes these beautiful limiters, these lights which I keep talking about. Hopefully some of you see those from time to time, especially on retreats. You're sitting there watching the breath go in and go out. And that's nice and peaceful, very calm, not thinking about things, not wanting anything in this moment. And a beautiful, 
a beautiful light appears in the mind. A lot of times it comes and people get excited and it disappears again. But you know, this is one of the reasons why I keep talking about it. It means that you know it's part of the course. And so after a while it's going to come up, when it does come up you can let it be. It takes a bit, a little bit more letting go and stillness just to leave it alone. And it becomes like a friend, like anything else. And when it becomes a friend you can hang out there for a while and then you go inside of that light, almost like into its center. And that's you know, just like the thousand petal lotus and that's where you find the first jhana. Layer by layer, you open the thousand petal lotus and go inside. Have a, have a wonderful time. That's the deep meditations and sometimes I always thought why should, okay you're the lay community, not many of you will ever experience that, but that's not the point, you've got to teach how the Buddha taught and if that's possible let everybody know about it. And the more and more people experience those things. And that's really a sort of great um, boost as a teacher, you can see you come up with a silly smile on your face. Actually, oh, it's so lovely. <laughs> I like it when that happens. <laughs> it's me giving you something, and some, and you actually receiving it, and experiencing just the amount of peace and happiness you can experience in this meditation practice, which is immense. Why not? Not many of you will do it, but each one of you can. But please don't use that as a cause for developing more craving and wanting. That's the danger there, as soon as you describe these things, oh yeah, I'll, I'll have that please. <laughs> it's just you've got to relax, rest, when the causes are ripe, then it happens. Any other comments or questions on that? Yes. Can some stillness of the mind appear? Can some? Oh yes, when you're not meditating, certainly. Sometimes people can be in all sorts of different, uh, amazing states. This one story which I was told about this guy who had an, an accident in the mines. And you know, he was the explosive expert, so he went in those mines years ago by himself and there was an accident at the bottom of the mind, he had his leg cut off, both legs apparently, and incredible pain, but he survived. But in the meantime, you know, he was stuck there, and he got into this beautiful deep state of stillness. He thought he was going to die, but he never did. And he said that was an amazing experience. And I was in great pain. He went through the pain, it was the only way. Another gentleman, is buried just behind us over here. The guy in the army, he had his terrible migraines. And he got into deep states of stillness because he was, went inside a, a dark hut somewhere and went deep, deep inside. And he did that. He didn't know it was meditation, but the pain of the, um, the migraine just made him just retreat inside where it was peaceful and calm. Yes, you can. I know some people who 
you've got to give it to them, they explained it to me, and it's pretty true. Got into a jhana, they didn't even know about Buddhism or what meditation was. But they kind of fluked it, pressing, pressing the letting go button because there's usually some difficulty in their life and went into a very, very deep state of stillness. They didn't know what meditation was. That's also why I like to teach it. See if that can happen to one of you one day. Am I going too deep for you? You're not? Okay. <laughs> okay. Any other question while I'm at it? Going, going, gone. Okay. So now we can now actually pay respects to Buddha Dhamma Sang if you wish. And then you can come up to ask a question if you need to. <laughs>